This episode is brought to you by KG Productions for Krishna Nose. Namaskar. A very good evening to you all. And today um, we are starting Sri Sai Satcharitra Parayan. This is in this is on behalf of my Guru Dev's, my Guruji's, Krishna Guruji's mother, who used to every year read this Parayan, and she passed away last December. This we are doing this. Parayan on her behalf and for everybody's well-being and to also listen to Baba's wonderful Leelas. Join me live every day from 7pm to 8pm. Thank you. Today we begin the first chapter, The Invocation of the Divine. Om Shri Ganeshaya Namaha Om Shri Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Om Shri Ganeshaya Namaha Om Shri Sarasvataya Namaha Om Shri Guru Dattatre Namaha Om Shri Mahalakshme Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwarha Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tasmai Shri Guru Ve Namaha Shri Sai Satcharitra Chapter 1 The Invocation of the Divine My obeisance to Shri Ganesh, to Shri Sarasvati and Shri Guru Maharaj, to the family deity, to Shri Sita Ramachandra, my most humble obeisance. I bow in reverence to the most venerable Guru, Sri Sainath. For a smooth, unhindered completion of a work once begun, the wise and the learned sing at the outset the praises of the tutelar deities and invoke their blessings. By so praising the deities, by making an obeisance to them all, impediments are sought to be forestalled and the desired goals achieved. Let us therefore bow first to Ganapati, the benign figure of the elephant god, with his twisted trunk, the protector of the meek and the lord and master of the fourteen branches of learning. Fourteen worlds are contained in your belly and hence you are called Lambodara, while in your hand is the powerful sharp-edged axe with which you strike down the obstacles in the way of your devotees. O Lord of the Ganas, of Shiva, O elephant-faced God, I bow to you who assuage the pain caused by impediments. Pour your grace into my utterances, I pray. You are the succour of your devotees. Under your anklets come rolling all the obstacles. Just one glance. From you is enough to drive away all want and poverty. In the ocean of worldly life, you are the ark, the light of knowledge you are. In the darkness of ignorance, you, O Lord, with your twin consorts, Riddhi and Siddhi, signifying prosperity and success. Look upon me graciously, I beseech. Hail to you, O Lord who are the destroyer of, of the woods, of impediments, and whose vehicle is the humble mouse. O son of Girira, Girija, O God of the benign countenance, to you I bow. Here do I follow the customary practice of making an obeisance to the titular deities, that I may complete my work unhindered and be blessed with good fortune. And yet... Is not this Sai himself, Gajanan and Ganapati, who, who, axe in hand, will remove the obstacles to the narration of this of his story? 
he indeed gajanan and balachandra with the crescent moon on his forehead and he boasts of a single tusk and the elephantine ears he is the terrible one of the broken tooth the annihilator of the jungles of obstacles most auspicious among the auspicious o long bellied lambodara o compassionate ganaraya you are none other than sai himself may you lead me on to the abode of eternal joy and peace i now make an obeisance to goddess saraswati the daughter of brahma may she with her art and ingenuity alight upon my tongue making it her vehicle the swan goddess saraswati draped in spotless white with the tiny vermilion mark on her forehead holds the brahmavina gracefully in her hand as she rides her swan o saraswati look upon me kindly unless the preceding goddess of speech this mother of the universe is propitiated can ever literature or art verse or tale sit gracefully upon one and without her grace can i venture to write the story of sai this mother of universe from whose womb were born the vedas verily is she the river of all the glorious learning may she make one and all drink at my hands the nectar sweet story of sai's life it is as if sai himself as bhagavati as goddess saraswati holds the omkar veena in hand and sings his own life story for the deliverance of his devotees my obeisance now is to brahma vishnu and mahesh who symbolize creation preservation and destruction of the universe respectively they are the epitomes of sattva harmony rajas motion and tamas inertia o self illumined sainath to us you are truly ganadish ganadish and brahma vishnu and mahesh you alone are our sadguru the boat to ferry us safely across the ocean of life and we your devotees are as travelers aboard the ship and beseech you to guide us to the shore yonder but for the merit of some good deeds of our past births how could we have been so compellingly drawn to your holy feet which have proved to be our sole refuge i now bow to my family deity narayana adinath who abides in the sea of milk and is the redeemer of all from sorrow suffering and pain when parshuram forced back the waters of the ocean and created a new land called konkan in that land appeared narayana narayana dwells within and rules over the hearts of all the creatures protecting them with loving kindness it is from him that i draw my inspiration my obeisance next is to that great sage and my original ancestor whom bhargava parshuram brought to konkan from bengal for the successful completion of the great yagna ritualistic sacrifice bharadwaj the greatest among the sages the founder of my ancestry who belonged to the shakala branch of the rigveda and who was also the founder of all the adya gaud brahmins 
To him, I bow respectfully. Next, I make my obeisance to the Brahmins who are the Brahman incarnate, the veritable gods on this earth. And then I proceed to pay my respects to the greatest among the yogis, Yajna Valkya, Bhrigu, Parasar, Parashar, Narada and others. Ved Vyas, son of Parashar, Sanak, Sanadhan, Sanat Sujat, Sanat Kumar, born of the mind of Brahma. Shukha, Shaunak, the composer of Sutra, Vishwamitra and Vashishta, Valmiki, Vamdev, Jaimini, Vaishampayan and the nine Munis, that is Yogindra, etc. I prostrate in obeisance at the feet of all these sages. Let me now worship all the saints like Nivriti, Nyaneshwar, Mukta, Sopan, Eknath, Swami Janardhan, Tukaram, Kanhoba, Narahari and others. For a mention of all the saints by their names, this book will hardly have the space. Therefore, I make obeisance to them all and pray for their blessings. Then, I bow in respect to Sadashiva, my grandfather, who was a man of impressive piety and who, finding this worldly material life meaningless and empty, took to his abode at Badrinath and Kedarnath to end of his days. My father was a worshipper of Shiva and having made Shiva his personal god, always wore Rudraksha beads round his neck. Respectfully, I bowed to him. And then, how can I ever repay the debt of my mother who spared no trouble bringing me into this world and rearing me? Humbly, I fall at her feet in obeisance. But she soon passed away, leaving me a mere infant behind. My paternal aunt, a pious soul, then looked after me, bringing me up most painstakingly. At her feet, I bow my head in great reverence. The love and affection of my eldest brother for me has no parallel. For me, he would have willingly given up his life. I cannot but be filled with gratitude as, well, as I bow at his feet. As for you, O my listeners, I make my obeisance to you respectfully as I pray for your undivided attention. Unless you are attentive, how can I be happy? The greater the connoisseur a listener is, waiting eagerly for more and more, the greater is the enthusiasm and verve of the speaker as he goes on narrating. If you yourselves are inattentive, then where, where for this narration? Hence, it is that I prostrate before you and implore you to listen to this tale with good cheer. Full well you know that I have no profound knowledge of science and literature, nor have I pursued any scholarly works or even listened to the sacred stories of saints being narrated. I am aware of my shortcomings too. I am conscious of my unworthiness. It is only in ob obedience to the Guru's command that I have ventured to attempt writing his life. My own heart tells me that before you, I am but a piece of straw. And yet I beseech you to be gracious and accept me with all my faults. And now let us remember our Sadguru and worship his feet with love and devotion. With body, speech and mind, let us surrender to him 
who is the mainspring of all wisdom and inspiration. Sweet dish is always reserved for the end of a meal. In the same way, the sweet adoration of the Guru marks the end of this invocation of the Divine. Om Shri Sadguru, my obeisance to you, the only refuge of this animate and inanimate creation. You and you alone, O compassionate one, sustain this entire universe eternally. Hiranyagarbha, or the golden egg of Brahman, from which comes the earth, its seven islands and nine con continents, the seven heavens and the seven nether worlds, is itself the well-known Brahmanda. The Sadguru dwells far beyond the cosmic illusion which creates this Brahmanda and which is known by the name Maya or the unmanifest. In trying to describe the greatness of the Sadguru, the Veda Shastras become silent, knowing that ingenuity or tricks of logic are of no avail here. O Sadguru, you defy all comparison, for to whichever object you are likened, you already pervade it by virtue of natural attributes. Whatever object the eye falls upon is but a form assumed by yourself. Such you are, O Sainath, a sea of kindness, Samartha Sadguru, who can be comprehended only by your own self and are beyond everything, without a beginning or an end. To you I bow. My obeisance to you, O greatest among the Gurus, who are in perpetual bliss, ever content, self-effulgent, home of all auspiciousness, the soul beautiful. In singing your praises, in trying to describe you, if even the Vedas and the Shrutis have fallen silent, how then will my scant knowledge be enough to comprehend you? Hail to you, O Sadguru, O treasure house of kindness and mercy. Glory be to you, who are Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh and Dattatreya, who wanders at, the, at will on the banks of Godavari. I bow to you in obeisance. That which is the very essence of Brahma, comes only from the Sadguru. With his grace alone, it can be realized. At his feet should be offered the Panchapran, pancha the five vital airs, in a spirit of absolute surrender. Bow your head before him in reverence. With your hands, press his feet gently. Let your eyes gaze into his face intently and the nose inhale the fragrance of the water that washes his feet. Let the ears listen to the praises of Sai constantly and keeping Sai's form before the mind's eye, meditate on Sai incessantly. The ties of worldly life will then fall off automatically. With devotion, offer at the Sadguru's feet your body, mind, worldly wealth, everything and dedicate your entire life in the service of the Guru. Only after laborious efforts do rare privileges of Guru Nam, Guru's holy company, his grace and the sweetened milk washed off his feet. Guru Mantra and the opportunity to stay in Guru's abode come your way. Great is the power of all these, for they urge the devotee onwards even without his knowing it, pushing him to the very threshold of moksha. This has been tried and tested by those of single-minded devotion. Guru's company is the pure water of the Ganges, which purifies others. 
washing away all their impurities what can be more fickle than the human mind but even this mind is fixed steadfastly by the guru at the feet of the god the service we offer at the sadguru's feet is our veda shastra purana prostrating at his feet in obeisance is to us yoga ritual sacrifices penance and all such means of deliverance the sacred name of the sadguru is our veda shastra sai samarth is our mantra or the sacred chant it is also our only yantra and tantra sai takes his devotees to that supreme state in which self experience brings them the conviction that brahman alone is real and a constant awareness stays with them that this world is an illusion or maya the highest bliss the joy of self realization the happiness of being one with the brahman all this is a tangle of ideal words what we need is an abidingly blissful state of mind once this state of mind is firmly rooted and remains constant happiness peace and contentment come to us and this is the most perfect state one can attain in this life sai is a mind of such blissful happiness like the ocean he is complete and full in himself his devotee is blessed with good fortune and will never want for the for the supreme bliss shiva and shakti the supreme spirit and divine energy purush and prakriti the supreme soul and nature pran and gati the vital airs and their motion the lamp and its brilliance all these are modifications of the pure brahman they are really one but are considered as different brahman does not like to be alone and desires to be many so says the shruti though the company of the other is desired and liked yet they all again become one in the state of pure brahman there is neither purush nor prakriti where the sun shines perpetually can there be night and day sai baba is essentially beyond all attributes he is without attributes but for the benefit of his devotees sai has assumed a form with the purest of attributes i surrender to him wholeheartedly those who have sought refuge and protection from sai samarth have escaped many a calamity thus with this name selfish purpose i bow my head at his feet obeisance to loving sai who is really one but assumes form and duality to experience the joy of his devotee's love and thus sports with them to that compassionate one who is the cosmic consciousness in all beings and is the seat of supreme knowledge who manifests himself through all the animate and inanimate creations i bow to him in reverence o guru raya o bliss incarnate you are my ultimate destination you alone are my repose for only you can relieve the pain and suffering of this afflicted one now at the end of this pi pn and as evidence of the fact that god alone dwells in all living beings i make obeisance to them all imploring them to accept me graciously i bow to all living creatures may it please the, that sustainer of the universe who pervades it through and through and is completely one 
with it without any duality. Here I end the adoration that customarily comes at the beginning and at the end of a work. It is also for this book that the invocation of the divine and the holy. I shall now narrate the main purpose of this book. Ever since Sai very kindly conferred his grace on me, I have been thinking only of him day and night. That itself will destroy the fear of worldly life. No more for me the chanting of other mantras, nor yet any other penance. I, I see only the pure, manifest form of Sri Sai all the time. Gazing into Sai's face, hunger, thirst, everything is forgotten. What worldly pleasure can stand comparison to it? The trials and tribulations of worldly life are forgotten altogether. Looking into Baba's eyes, one forgets oneself. And as the love wells up from within, the mind is immersed into inexpressible joy. To me, service at Sai's feet is everything. Karma and Dharma, Shastras and Puranas, Yoga and Ritual Sacrifice and the performance of prescribed religious ceremonies, pilgrimages, penance, everything. A constant, scrupulous adherence to the Guru's word when firmly rooted in the mind and backed by an unserving faith will bring to the mind abiding peace. Such was the state of my mind. A result, no doubt, of my past karma, which fostered in me a growing fondness and attachment to Sai's feet. And I experienced its incomprehensible power. How can I ever describe that power? It is the power from which springs devotion and loving attachment to Sai, which brings renunciation while yet in the worldly life, along with a state of incessant joy. Many are the forms of devotion described variously by different schools of thought, briefly and as carefully as possible. I shall now describe their characteristics. Ceaseless meditation on one's real self is the main characteristic of devotion. So say the self-realized Acharyas, who are proficient in Veda Shastras. To express one's devotion by performing puja is the way prescribed by Vyasa, the son of the sage, Parashar and is another form of devotion called Archan Bhakti. Parijat, Parijat and other such fragrant flowers should be gathered from the garden for the Guru. Then the courtyard of the Guru's house should be swept clean and washed first by sprinkling water followed by a cow dung wash. Thereafter, one should take a bath followed by sandhya or the prescribed daily prayers. A sandalwood paste should then be prepared for the gods and for the guru, which is to be applied to them when they are given the ritualistic bath. Lights and incense should then be waved before them. Thereafter, the consecrated food offering should be made and arti performed to conclude the ritual. All this, when performed with love and devotion, is known as archan. The pure awakened supreme spirit in the heart should be invoked in the idol and then the puja should be started. After the ritual is over, the consciousness of the supreme spirit should be regained in your heart. Now understand the characteristics of another form of devotion which was advocated by 
Gargacharya. In this, the mind gets totally absorbed in singing the praises of God through Kirtan. So much so that the mind becomes one with the joyous spirit of the Hari Kirtan. To be constantly meditating on the self, to be narrating or singing the sacred stories of the Lord and conforming in one's conduct to the prescribed rules of the Shastras are the characteristics of the form of devotion prescribed by Shandilya Muni. Those who wish to advance spiritually will conduct themselves according to the rules prescribed by the Vedas avoiding all that is either not advocated or prohibited by the Vedas and which is therefore not in their interest. When the mind becomes totally devoid of conceit so that it is no longer the doer of action nor the enjoyer of the fruit of action, it is then that it surrenders everything to God. Performing action or karma in the spirit leads effortlessly to freedom from all action. Karma can never be given up totally by anyone. But what can be given up is the conceit of being the doer of action. A thorn can be removed only by a thorn. So also can karma be ended only by karma. With the realization of the self, karma will become will be overcome completely. Cessation of desire for the fruit of action is the secret of the renunciation of desire for the fruit of action. Performance of the routine and specially prescribed religious rites and rituals is called the law of pure conduct. To offer all karma at the feet of God, to forget for a moment everything, making your mind totally detached. These very different characteristics mark the devotion described by Narad Muni. Such are the many characteristics, one, str one stranger than the other. But as for ourselves, let us cross the ocean of worldly life, safely and quiet, untouched by its turbulent waters, only by a constant remembrance of the story of our Guru's life. I too developed a fondness and passion for listening to the story of the Guru and was deeply engrossed in this pursuit, so that I thought I should also write a book about these numerous stories of actual experience and doubtless veracity. It so came to pass that once, while in Shirdi, I had gone to the mosque for Baba's darshan, when I saw, to my utter amazement, Baba grinding wheat. But let me first tell you of your gains in listening to the story. Listen at your ease, and then listen to how the idea of writing Sai's life was conceived from the above incident. Describing again and again the excellent qualities of one who is of sacred celebrity and discussing together in company his fascinating stories purifies the mind and brings perspicuity to the intellect. By singing his praises, by listening to his leelas and his stories, one can please God. Sorrows and sufferings caused to us by the threefold afflictions Refer to chapter 9, note 2, are also warded off. Hence, those plagued by the threefold afflictions, as also those impelled by a desire for self upliftment and those intent on self meditation, all such people fall at the feet of saints and are enriched by elevating personal experience. And now, listen attentively to this fascinating account of the 
aforementioned incident and you will be amazed by Baba's kindness and compassion. One day, in the morning, after he had finished washing his face, cleaning his teeth, etc., Baba sat down at the grinding stone to grind. Scuttle basket in hand, he went to the bag of wheat and began taking out by the brimfuls measure upon measure of wheat into the basket. He spread out another empty sack on the ground, placed the quern on it and knocked its wood wooden peg firmly into place to prevent its becoming loose while grinding. He then rolled up his sleeves, tucked in the folds of his kafni, long robe, and he squatted near the quern with his legs spread out. What is this crazy idea of grinding wheat? I just thought to myself, puzzled as I was. To a poor penniless one, without attachment to material possessions, why should there be anxiety about worldly things? However, with my head bent down, Baba had taken a firm hold of, his, of the quern handle and went on rotating the quern stone with his own hands, as if he was crushing most certainly not wheat, but all enmity and hatred to a powder. Many a saint had I met before, but here was the only one grinding at the quern. What pleasure could grinding afford him? Only he can understand his strange ways. People watched him in astonishment, but no one dared ask him what he was doing. As the news travelled through the village, men and women came running. The women gasped for breath as they ran. Four of them hastily rushed up the steps of the mosque and seizing hold of Baba's hand roughly snatched the quern handle away from him. Baba began quarrelling with them, but without heeding them, they started grinding all at once. And as they did so, they sang Baba's praises and of his marvellous leelas. Touched by the genuine affection, Baba's mock anger vanished, giving way to tenderness and love as an indulgent, pleased smile stole over his face. All the wheat was ground, measuring full eight pounds, four seeds. The scuttle basket was emptied and then began thoughts and conjectures racing wildly through the minds of the ladies. Baba prepares no wheat bread for himself. To subsist on arms is his actual practice. What then will he do with all this floor? So they argued in their minds. Moreover, he has no wife, no children. Baba is all alone. Without encumbrances of a home and a sheath or of material belongings, what then should he want all this flow for? One of them said, Oh Baba, oh Baba is compassion itself. All this sport is only for us. Just see, he will now give away all this floor to us. Presently, he will make four shares in it, one for each of us. They began building castles in the, in the air. But only Baba can understand his own ways. None other can divine his ultimate purpose. And yet the greed urged them to them on to loot Baba. When all the wheat was over, the flow was spread out. The quern was put away to rest against the wall. The women filled the scuttle basket with the floor, all in readiness to be taken to their respective homes. All this while, not a word escaped Baba's lips. But as they proceeded to divide the floor into four equal parts, listen to what Baba said. Are you out of your senses? Where are you taking the floor? Does it belong to your father that you are carrying it away? Go at once to the village boundary and throw all the floor at the side of the brook there. Freebooters all 
how they came running to loot me. Was it some borrowed wheat that you now stake a claim to the floor? Fretting and fuming in their hearts and greatly ashamed of their greediness, the women in their discomfiture, in their discomfiture began whispering amongst themselves. But all the same, they at once set out for the village boundary as commanded. No one understood Baba's intention at first and the reason for his Actions appeared to be beyond one's understanding. A patient waiting was ultimately rewarded by an understanding of his marvellous ways. Later, I asked people why Baba did all this. And they said that in this way Baba banished the disease from the village altogether. It was not wheat, but the terrible cholera epidemic that he fed to the quern to be crushed. Afterwards, he got the coarsely ground floor to be thrown along the side of the brook at the village border. When the flow was thus thrown away, the epidemic was on the wane from then onwards and the days of distress were over for the village. Such was Baba's skillful handling. A cholera epidemic chanced to erupt in the village and this was the mysterious remedy employed by Baba to counter it. The disease was eradicated and once again the village enjoyed peace. This spectacle of Baba grinding at the quern filled me with admiration and wonder. How does one connect this action to its cause and to its effect? How can a correspondence be found between all these? What connection can there be between the wheat and the dreaded disease? It was far beyond one's imagination. I felt that I must write a book about this. Love rose in my heart like the surging waves on the sea of milk. Even as I felt a strong urge to sing to my heart's content of the charming story of Baba's life. Here ends the invocation of gods and goddesses, obeisance to the saints and to the relatives and the ceaseless adoration of the Sadguru has come to a close too. Hemad seeks refuge at the feet of Sainath. In the next chapter, I shall explain to the best of my ability the purpose of his, this work, persons for whom it is meant and its relation to the main subject. Listen to it, O listeners, at ease. It will also be explained later who this Hemad Panth is, who has composed the Sai Satcharit, so very beneficial both to the listeners and to the speakers himself. Will be to all, here ends, the invocation of the Divine, the first chapter of Shri Sai Samarth Satcharit, as inspired by the saints and the virtuous, and composed by his devotee, Hemad Pant. Thank you all for listening. Om Shri Mahaganapate Namaha, Om Shri Gurudev Dattva, Om Shri Sachidananda Sadguru Sainath Maharaj Ki Jai, Om Namo Bhagavad Vasudevaya, Digambara Digambara, Shri Padvallava Digambara, Om Shri Krishna Guru Nathanathaya, Shri Guruve Namaha, Om Devi Durgaya Namaha, Om Shri Krishna Arpanam Namastu, Krishna Mande Jagat Guru.